1: Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we sometimes have to do a thing, even if it's really hot and we already did a thing today. On today's episode, we review a game about the deep caverns under New York and the pizza rats and roving packs of feral Giuliani's that make it so unpleasant and dangerous. It's the game of subterranean urban fantasy, it's very LARPy, and you can play a dog in it. It's Underworld or underground I don't know it's written in tag font and it's System Mastery John, before we begin today's show, would you like to do some announcement masteries? Why, there's literally nothing more in this world that I would like to do. Are you sure? Because I know where there's pizza. Nothing more in this world. What about the next?
0: Oh, in the next world, there's way more stuff I would like to do.
1: <laughs> what about in an else world?
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, if we were in an else world, I'd get to, I don't know. Have like a cape, maybe yeah, a gas a gun. like
1: One half of Batman or something.
0: Yeah, I'd be one half of Batman, and yes. you'd be the other half of yeah. Batman, and <laughs> together right. we'd be yeah. a Batman.
1: And we'd finally be my my idea for the mod for every, Everyone is John, which is Everyone is Batman. Yeah. Yeah, I want to play that. That's, that's a game I want to play. Of course it is. But before we do that, we should read some ads, huh? Ooh, hell yeah. You know, as always, if you want to do an ad here on the show, all you got to do is go to our website, click the Give Us Some Money button. There's a, a set of links you can follow up that you can pay us. So about 75 bucks and we will read an ad for you on the show and without further ado allow me to read an ad on the show and allow me to introduce myself I'm a man of wealth and taste Oh okay I thought you were going to do a uh a, a, like a humpty hump thing there real quick
0: Oh no 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 goodness no You oh. drink up all the Hennessy oh.
1: I had on my shelf If only you had Hennessy on your shelf I don't like Hennessy <laughs> As a system mastery listener you have a refined palate that For wants- Hennessy <laughs> As a, as a system mastery <laughs> listener, you have a refined palate that wants some indie flair in their gaming. So you're also so if you're also into miniature wargaming, Fortified Niche is just the podcast for you. Inspired by the male friendships on System Mastery, and I don't even own a television. It's two guys talking about indie-ish wargames. We review miniature wargames that weren't produced by Games Workshop or Privateer Press or any of the other Giants. Yeah, you know how there's a lot of Giants walking around dropping minis on people? Mm-hmm. It's of weird course... that they're so good at carving such tiny figurines. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. to the
0: Giants, mm-hmm. these are... Uh... I believe it's
1: the New York Giants they're referring yes, to. Yes, of yeah, course, yeah. obviously. Yeah. The
0: New York Giants wandering around mm-hmm.
1: placing little miniatures inside people's stockings. Yes. Our hosts take a game like Zona Alpha, Carnival, or the Silver Bayonet, play it on Tabletop Simulator, and then tell you all about its ups and its downs. Fortified Niche covers not only the rules, but also army building, excuses to buy the miniatures, and whether we should get a second edition of Chain of Command. We also have some words about Game Fluff that excuses imperialism and cheesecake sculpts. I assume Mm. they have some negative words about those things.
0: I love a good sculpt of a cheesecake.
1: (laughs) New episodes of Fortified Niche go up every other Monday, supplemented by short blog posts illustrated with lavish tabletop simulator screenshots. So lavish. That's Fortified Niche. And you can find us on Spotify and other places where podcasts dwell. You're goddamn right. That's neat. I mean, I, I don't know really what constitutes a a, a a giant in that industry, but I mean, I'm seeing a list of games I've never heard of there, so I assume it's uh, I'm assuming things like even Atomic Mass count as giants in that industry. I mean,
0: if you, if one of us has heard of it. Probably it's a giant. <laughs> That's probably fair. Yeah. Well, you know, because we keep up with the New York Giants.
1: We do. I'm, I'm very up on the New York Giants and the New York Knicks. The, uh, the the New York Knicks. Yeah. The the uh, all giraffe basketball team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so once again, that was fortified niche. But we are not done yet. Today we have a special two ads to read.
0: Ooh, ooh two parter. Two 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 parter. <laughs>
1: Burp, 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 burp. Burp.
0: all
1: right so uh coming up next is john with an ad read
0: hell yeah jamie Lindemann and nerd house games are very pleased to announce their first crowdfunding campaign with heist colon masterminds it's a card game where no wait do not fast forward yet i am not done talking <laughs> you sit the fuck down <laughs> whoever fast forward through us we're charming we're fucking adorable <laughs> Ah, uh, so they also write role-playing games and listen to this very show for design inspiration. But we're here to talk about the card game.
1: Mm, yeah, probably inspired by one of the card games on our show.
0: One of the many card mm-hmm. games we mm-hmm. review. Yeah. Do you want a card game that doesn't waste a lot of turns getting you into the action? Yes. One that blends a light tone with a retro heist movie vibe? Similarly, Yes. <laughs> Well, by God, you must go check out the Game Found campaign. It's uh, at tinyurl.com slash heist dash masterminds. Hmm. So you hire a crew, you beat the heat and claim your reward. Ah! So campaign starts July 9th. So it's coming up. Be ready for that. Favorite it. Love yep, it.
1: Yep. Go check it out. I'm sure it's already there to be favorited and followed.
0: Yep. Uh and it'll end August 7th. So even if you are listening to this into the far future of about a month from now, you still have a chance. That's right. Uh so make your pledge, grab a copy before then. Uh and if you follow early, you might get yourself, wait for it, a mm-hmm. free token of appreciation. Oh ho ho. Hey. I
1: love tokens of things.
0: <laughs> There's nothing I love more
1: than a nice token. Hmm.
0: That's why I'm always taking the subway. <laughs>
1: And doing laundry in Obscure Laundromats. Exactly. Which is also my favorite band.
0: <laughs> obscure Laundromats. Yeah. But if you're listening to an RPG show to hear about RPGs because you like RPGs on an RPG show for mm-hmm. RPG likers, then you should head on over to Nerd House Games. That's Nerd House, uh, H-A-U-S. Mm-hmm. Uh, so nerdhousegames.itch.io to check out all of their RPGs. And if you don't like heist movies, that's not your thing. Maybe you'd like some one-shot games about cryptid hunting, looming disasters, tragic post-apocalyptic lovers, or undead identity crises. I do. I want all of them. Yeah. Give it to me now. I'm like Veruca Salt with RPGs. <laughs> and bean feasts. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm definitely like Veruca Salt with bean feasts. Yeah. You know how I get with a bean feast. Of course I do. So you've got options when it comes to bring in a nerd house game to your table. So, uh, you know, help them out. Keep them them making great stuff. And that's, you know, it's good for us.
1: It's good for them. It's good for you. It's good for me. It's good for the Lord Jesus Christ. Good for the industry. And uh, (laughs) why? As always, always, we're going to have all these links and uh, associated details on the website as well. So uh, if you uh, are looking to follow up on any of these but don't remember the urls that we've been reading off just stop by systemmasterypodcast.com, look at the uh, post for this episode and you'll be able to follow those links right on through uh, thank you so much we're going to get to the show now uh, please go support our sponsors it helps us to help them and then it helps them to help us i think i yeah, don't remember i don't remember the exact it's all a big feedback loop that's right that's exactly how it works and until then wait that's the, that'll be the end of the wait, show hold on hold on let's get to the show Hey everybody, welcome back to System Mastery. It's me, Jeff, joined as always by my co-host, John. John, how are you today?
0: Oh, I'm kind of warm and headachy and everything sucks because California's real hot.
1: Yeah, it's kind of hot right now, although the moment you said that, we're gonna, you know you've unleashed the... Oh, I've
0: unleashed the the southern gentleman who will come a-knocking at our door, saying, Why, tis 105
1: Mm. upon this very day. I live in Death Valley in an oven, (laughs) and you guys have no right to complain. 95 degrees Fahrenheit, why
0: would I but dream of such luxury?
1: (laughs) So... Yeah, it's it's uh it's steamy out here today. I mean it's not like Death Valley it's like eighty five.
0: Well, I mean where you are, where I live it's almost a hundred.
1: Fair enough. Yeah. So uh so good. I'm glad to hear you've managed to make it over to this side of the hills then, so you can bask in my coolness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And also bask in coolness is underworld. It is underworld. And also bask in robins. I thought it was underground. I thought we read underground. Wait a minute. What the <laughs> fuck my is. Is this one of those Mandela effects? <laughs> no, it's just that this book's... I don't know why. I, I assume they did this because one of the uh, the things you can be in this game is a tagger.
0: Yes, but this has the font of like, oh, you know how you know people put up tags on walls with spray paint? Mm-hmm. that That for a font so that you can't read anything.
1: <laughs> well, I would say the biggest problem with that, it would be more readable if it wasn't... It's written in a tag font and then overlaid over the same word again, written in a different tag font. So it's not even a drop shadow; it's just the word "underworld" on top of the world under the world word "underworld" uh, in two different fonts and two different colors, and it just makes it harder to read than it needed to be. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's not a pleasant read. I'll yeah. tell you that. Well, the cover isn't. Also, y- y- did you notice that uh, that Zuckus is on the cover of this book bu- of? You know, the uh, the, the famous you know moth-like bounty you, hunter of Star Wars We're not talking Forlorn.
0: we're talking Zuckus, no, baby. Is, I mean,
1: he, he could also be a Forlorn. they both have big moth eyes, but either way, you've got yourself a, a Zuckus or Forlorn situation happening right there on the cover. You no, know, I'll tell just, you this. Just saying, episode crossover.
0: I'm just saying, there's also another picture of like a bug guy later on mm-hmm. in this book. No mention of bug guys anywhere. No, I think they're supposed to be that one... I mean, they'd be
1: freaks, freaks I assume. Yeah, because almost, almost all the freaks that actually get mentions in this are basically animalistic. Uh, so to get... The the point across to, to give you the ultimate elevator pitch to, for this to give you a nice dollar to go see a movie or get your dick slapped whatever you're gonna do <laughs> get your dick slapped at the movies yeah I, for uh, for for the super boiler p- or plate pitch of this have you ever read it Neverwhere Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere y'all ever y'all ever heard about this Neverwhere what if it was New York done okay we're all set thank you so much for listening <laughs> what if instead of British you were American <laughs> <laughs> I mean to be fair. The book does have a kind of recommended reading and bibliography section about halfway through. And it does actually point out that, like, without Neverwhere, this book wouldn't exist. Which, yes. Duh. Because it is 100% Neverwhere in New York, the LARP. Uh, And, of course, if you
0: have listened to our show for any amount of time, we've been doing this for damn near 10 years now. Mm -hmm. You know... There's one thing that's going to get Jeffa going. It's someone being up New York's ass. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, this isn't as bad about that as I mean, he, it it tries the same thing that Neverwhere tries, which is to you to really cloud the layers when, when they write the stories. Technically, they're pulling history from from New York or from the world at large. You know, or in that case, London, like you could probably, if you were Neil Gaiman and you were his weird collection of eccentric traits and things he learned over the course of his life, suss out what his inspiration for the Marquis de Caraba was. Uh But this is the same thing where you have like, ah, he's the murderer who steals the eyes of people who want to be Broadway starlets. And he's called the Buckskin. And you're like, what the fuck is the Buckskin? What does that have to do with Broadway stealing guy? What what, what does that mean? And it's probably something that someone who knows enough about New York could suss out, but I can't. God knows. I cannot.
0: I mean, it's also one of those things that when you get into the, like, let me tell you about all the different areas of the underground. And it's just like, well, if you're at 124th Street, and you go down to the Upper (laughs) West Bronx. And I'm like. I don't know what any of this is. Fuck you. No there is.
1: Yeah, there is a section. I, I'll admit I started skimming after we left the section where it was describing the lords of each zone and it was just yes. like these little one paragraph descriptions of parts of New York. Um, I mean, ultimately, I kind of started skipping that section heavily after I encountered the first person I was pretty sure was a black guy in the entire book. Yeah. And he preferred to go by the, the uh, he, had a, he had a name. I don't remember what it was off the top of my head, but it said he doesn't use oh, it. Oh, he, uh, <laughs> he likes you to call him Peeps. Oh, yeah. Or, or the head and word in charge. Indeed. he's in, And again, I, I think he might be the only described as such black person in the book. So might be. That's, uh, that's ballsy, is what that is. Oh,
0: yeah. Well, but, especially because so, it's like, ah, where's the only black person in this book? Why, Crooklyn. Crooklyn, of where course. Where all the hoods are.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you haven't read Neverwhere, however, so you have no idea what I'm going on about. Uh, it's a story about uh, there's a city, and underneath that city is a subway system, and then there's decades of history about interesting tunnels and albino sewer alligators and crazy things that happen deep in the subterranean world beneath New York, and then uh, they just judge that up with a little fantasy, you know? They're like, it's true. There's gods and stuff down there, and there's ancient magics, and the world, the world above will never be aware of the world below, but the world below is aware of us. Yep, that's it's that kind of thing. And uh, it always has kind of, it's it's always a neat concept. It's fun to think about this kind of urban fantasy exploration where you go down under New York and can, like, treat with the sewer alligators and so on. But it always bears a risk.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, the, the basic idea of there is, you know, a world near where the regular world is and it's fantastic. I'm like, you know... Even discounting Neverwhere, that's not exactly a brand new idea. No. You know? And it's a fun, interesting thing to be like, yeah, you know, whether I'm going to fucking Wonderland or Narnia or whatever it happens to be, being like, oh, I was in a normal place and now I'm in some weird fantasy land. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. But when you try and tie it into, like, the actual history and locality of a place you start running into possible issues.
1: Let's Yeah, let's say that. Let's just say a sensitivity reader would have been helpful here, but in 2000, I don't think those were things yet. No. Um. I mean, they might have been. Yeah. But, but basically, yeah, because you have things like, well, the homeless population of New York. What if... You didn't have to worry about the homeless so much because they're not just homeless. Usually they're just up there gathering stuff to vend it down below to the magical creatures that live there. And every homeless person you see is just resting on his way uh, on his uh, break between mystical fun time adventures t- uh, ex- times.
0: Well, I mean, the fact that the book's like, oh, and don't worry, I'm not talking about the homeless that are there because of, you know, the fact that we shut down all sorts of mental hospitals and... Quit resources to help people with any sort of issue Mm -hmm. no no the other homeless people the fun ones yeah
1: (laughs) or what if uh what what if we put a micro zone that you could adventure in that's just exactly where the triangle shirtwaist fire happened (laughs) and so when you go there even though you don't know what's going on exactly it's all hot there and you can hear the screams of hundreds of ghost women yeah yeah i don't i don't i don't want to do i mean that's the thing is I like the the concept like the Narnia thing like you were saying like yes. going Nar- it's a fun kind of transition into uh, into fantasy is a neat way to do a, a storyline and I I even like when they connect it to the world above where they're like you know we're taking some of the neat stories about New York and and conde- and changing them and playing with them No there's there's a
0: fun idea of the juxtaposition of the uh the mundane and the fantastical and modern and th- You know, like, fairy sensibilities. Yeah. This crossover, especially when you look at something like this, or say, you know, like Narnia, where you're like, oh, we remember the modern world and we know about it, but then we are thrust into a weird other world. Yes. And so having those sort of, oh, I have the sensibilities of a regular everyday dude, but now I have to contend with Christ lion. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, in Neverwhere it was the same thing. The main character of Neverwhere was a guy from the world above who accidentally got stuck in London's underground. Yeah. Um some I-
0: dude accidentally a Coca-Cola bottle and now he's in the Neverwhere.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then by the end of the book he's like, "Wait a minute. This is the best thing you could do because down here I'm fully aware of the world above and can go up there if I want to, but also they're never aware of me. I can do whatever. I've got I'm off the grid. It's too late. <laughs> I've seen it all." But this is a very larpy game. Um, almost yes. all the resolutions, in fact, I believe all the mechanics of the game are are, are handled through coin flips. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Which ultimately, I feel like I'm gonna immediately replace with dice. Uh, eh. Maybe that's just me. That way I can do them all at once. I don't have to be like...
0: I mean, you could just take a handful of dice and be like, or coins and just go,
1: Man. I know, but then you got to like catch them. I just, I mean, I get it. I get why they did that. It's visually very neat to cat- to flip a coin and catch it. But when you're like, okay, for this one, you have to get four heads on five coin flips. I'm like, that's just going to be... I guess I'll stop after I get tails twice. <laughs> that's That's the one thing I'll know.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, because it's supposed to be, these are rules for LARP and tabletop. They're like... Well, we didn't want to come up with two different resolution systems, mm-hmm. so we'll just use coins because that's a thing you can actually do while you're, like, sitting out in a fucking forest or, more likely, in... The college a, rec center. Yeah, some rec center or an actual subway station hall. if you're, yeah. you
1: know, in New York for some reason. Yeah, so it's it's a, a LARP game, which means that the rules are fairly scant. There's not... that. I mean, they're comprehensive. It's got a wound system. It's got resolution mechanics. It's got skills. It's got the basics you understand of, you think of when you think of a role-playing game. Uh, But it's very simplified to allow for quick play. Yeah. So what can you play in this game? Oh, well, I... You have a couple choices to make. Yeah, when you're making
0: your character, uh, your two big things for making your character are your breed Mm -hmm. and your guild. Yeah. So your breed is, you know... What you what be, are, yeah, because uh, a couple of them are, you know, you could be humans, but there's a lot of options for other stuff. So you could be, for instance, just an intelligent animal. Yeah. Uh The feral is one of the breeds where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, anytime an animal runs away and, you know, like, goes fucking around in the sewer, so you get a lot of feral like... Dogs and cats and rats and Mm -hmm. stuff like that.
1: Raccoons, and there's a whole population of alligators down there. Obviously, you got to
0: have the albino gators.
1: You know, that's one of the best things to do if you're writing a New York underground story is that part of it. Yeah. That's fine. And so, you know, you can just be like, oh yeah, you're one of these. You can talk with people, that's fine.
0: You have your own animal language. And, uh, you know... You're
1: you're obviously going to suffer a penalty on certain fine motor control skills unless you're playing like a... An especially competent Colobus monkey or something. Or Colobus ape, I don't know. Um, So, yeah, each each, uh, breed you choose has a couple of benefits and penalties to it. But really, that's all it is. Some of them offer a couple of bonus skills that you get, like, one extra die in. uh, But most of them just kind of give you a thing they can do and a thing they're bad at. And that's it.
0: Yeah. Uh, And, of course, all of these have a list of... Uh, traits mm-hmm. that you can pick from, and in the breeds, some of them come with extra skills, not all of them.
1: Yes. So, defining traits, as they're called, are uh, basically, uh, for example, I'm looking at Freak right now. What Freak is people who have uh, some, th- they're, they're weird in some way. Yeah. In this book, it is almost exclusively they're weird in the form of being like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like Kind of, I mean. They're not supposed to all be like that, but
0: You can be like, what are you? I'm basically a Minotaur. That's yeah. a Freak.
1: Yeah. They're all For whatever reason, I don't know if it's just coincidental, but so many of them are, like, animal-themed. Yes. Uh, There's, like, a bat one, a minotaur one, a dog head one. But, I mean, basically,
0: anything that is sort of humanoid but not, like, a regular person is going to end up being a freak most of the time.
1: Yes. And their defining traits are things like strong, agile, tough, intuitive, perceptive. Uh, fast, clever, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you get to pick a couple of these, and each one that you pick gives you a single extra coin flip when the, uh, resolution you are trying to determine involves that thing. So if you're tough, then it's when you're trying to resist damage, you get an extra coin flip. Yeah. If you're, uh, if you're strong willed, it's when you're trying to like win an, an argument or, or resist losing an argument and each one of those traits also has a negative variation which isn't in any list anywhere so for example if you have agile the opposite's going to be clumsy and it's just if you choose that then now you're you you uh, minus 1 minus 1 coin exactly but you get to pick an extra trait the other thing that the breeds provide is what's known as radiance level uh, because each uh, there's a thing about the deep underground of New York that the subway system is a series of magic runes that subways full of people ride every day accidentally contributing tiny amounts of the magic in their souls to this giant magic uh, uh, c- Yeah, c- that's why everybody network.
0: on the uh, the train in New York is just kind of like, because mm-hmm. all of the magic is getting sucked out of them every day.
1: Exactly, yeah, they're losing all that magic. Uh, and so the deeper you go, the higher the radiance level, and the radiance level can be downright dangerous to people from the overworld if they get too close to it, but it can also do things like fizzle out technology from up above uh if you're down in in the high radiance then then uh your computer will stop working, your gun will jam yeah the I
0: mean the general idea is the overworld has a radiance level of zero mm-hmm. uh once you get into the actual uh like subways and the tunnels like that that are real close, you get radiance level one where you're like, oh, things can be a little weird, but it's still mostly okay once you start getting deeper and you hit radiance levels 2 through 5 mm-hmm. those are oh well now shit is just actually magical and anything more complicated than like a stick a blunt instrument it just doesn't work
1: yes uh so to continue with these the uh the feral uh, the first one we talked about has a radiance level of 1 because you are a very slightly magical animal
0: yeah now uh, you talk so yeah now you can great. talk uh
1: then then after that you have things like the freak which we've talked about at length uh the junk man which is a robot built out of uh, random junk from the underworld. It is not a functioning robot. It is a magically functioning robot, which means that they have a Radiance level of two and they cannot go up to the Radiance level zero world without falling apart.
0: Yes, because technically they are a a pile of junk shaped into a semi-humanoid form that is inhabited by a ghost. Yes. (laughs) That's a junk man for you.
1: Uh, There's legendaries, which are probably the most recognizable thing straight from, like, Neverwhere. Uh, Legendaries are basically concepts, old gods. uh, Things that are,
0: like, they spring into being from the imagination of everyone above. Yes. So, you know, you might have, like, Medusa is a legendary. There's straight up the devil
1: is a legendary named in the book. The more commonly seen legendary in the book is uh, a a, a guy named Isric Dane. And he is the legendary of flatfoot detectives.
0: Yeah, because you can be an actual thing or the idea of a thing.
1: Yeah, so he's just like an always-gets-his-man, old-timey noir detective man. Yeah. But he's like the god of, or not really the god, but like sort of the concept, he's, the yeah, legend of that. Yeah, he's that personified. He's the, he, he's the personification of that, thank you, yeah. Uh, they're the other one that has a radiance of two, they're not supposed to be up in the overworld.
0: No, if junk men uh, or legendaries, the radiance two people end up going up above. Mm-hmm. Uh, they start taking damage, even at Radiance level one. And if they go to zero, they have like a couple rounds before they just die.
1: Yeah. Uh, there's the homeless. There is the homeless. You think they'd just call this one, you know, uh, folks from the above or above worlders or well, something?
0: The problem is you already have the, uh, like the regular upworlders one where it's like, Oh, you're an upworlder, but you're basically the protagonist of Neverwhere, where you're just some guy who gets trapped down here. Yeah, and then you have ones that are, oh, I was from up above, but I have no idea how I got down here. The Lost are yeah. anachronistic upworlders.
1: Yes, yeah. The, the the problem with the homeless, I mean, ultimately, the the uh, Richard, the the uh, main character of Neverwhere. Was like a dude who had a house and a wife and everything. Yeah. But when he accepted help from a person from the underworld, he kind of became of the underworld. And the moment he gets home, there's like other people living in his house already because he doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. So that he's theoretically homeless because he doesn't have a house. Other people live in his fucking house. But, but yeah, anyway. But that's not how this works. No, I know. It's different. The other thing about the homeless, every one of these has a list of epithets that people call them. Yes, indeed. Uh, underground. So it's like junk men, for example, are called like tocks or clunkers. Uh, no one calls them robots, oddly enough. You'd think that'd be the common one. Yep. Um, but the homeless have one, all right. It sure is that Roma slur showing up again. Hell yeah! Mm. Boy howdy, you gotta love that shit. Now,
0: I do want to say, uh, boy, I'm glad this came out in the year 2000. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> the year 2000. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you get the homeless, you get... The other uh, one,
1: you mentioned the lost, which I think was the other big one we hadn't gone over yet. Uh, we've uh, got a
0: couple, we've got the lost and the, uh, the nomads, oh, or... Oh,
1: right, the nomads, and I think the mole people. And the mole people. Yeah, okay, so I, I completely forgot about the nomads. Uh, yeah, so the lost, like John mentioned, are anachronistic, they're people who are like, they're all from the past, they're never from the future, Yes, and they are people who, uh, for whatever reason, have accidentally found themselves transported into the modern day uh they have very slight abilities to control time uh and they the more of them that are in an area the more powerful they become and this is amusing because they make this point out about how like if you had like a dozen of these guys together they could rewind time by several hours they become increasingly powerful the more than there are but it goes on to heavily stress this never happens no one ever gets big groups of lost together it's not a th- it's just not done and then when you get back to the section that's like locations there's one that's just like an entire British fort from the 1760s.
0: Yeah, just a bunch of redcoats got sucked down here, and it is an entire group of them. <laughs> that's
1: like 200 of them.
0: Yeah, you're like,
1: oh, that's okay, sure. Whoopsie doos! <laughs> Forgot what you wrote earlier when you Whoopsie wrote it again. Whoopsie <laughs> Uh The mole people are literally that. They are just people who are vaguely molish, who live underground and are small. the The thing with it is. The art for them straight
0: up looks like they're wearing fursuits. (laughs) They look like like, the head is too big and it just really, God, it really reminds me of a fursuit also because it's got that kind of like cartoon animal look. So it's got the furry
1: art style. Well, there's, there's about four artists that work in this book and they are very distinct. Uh one of them only draws like real people, so it's all these kind of very serious, ragged uh drawings and so on. <laughs> one is pictures. <laughs> one of them yeah, one of them is photos. Um the person who only ever draw or who the only person who draws mole people, they draw other stuff as well, has a very kind of anime hip hop a- at the same time aesthetic where all the mole people are drawn like deeply like, like wearing their pants super sagged down with with uh cool hair uh, urban haircuts, and uh also they kind of all look like joe camels rebellious teenage niece yeah they don't look like moles at all
0: no they do not look like moles they look like furries (laughs) and i'm like that's fine whatever but the fact that you call them mole people is very weird to me because they look much more like
1: a cat (laughs) than anything depending on which one you're looking at this one looks like a cat the other one looks like a camel (laughs) but neither of them look like moles yeah depending Um... on how they do the snout yeah, the uh, the the other fun artist in here that I like a lot is the person who drew the art for the Nomad. Uh, nomads are, oof, I, I, this one's weird because you've already got people who are displaced in time, the Lost, and you've already got people who are like immortals in the legendaries, but Nomads are like people from the distant past who didn't realize they were immortal, and well, now they live
0: now. It's people who don't know what happened in their past. They are immortal now, Mm-hmm but they don't know how they became immortal or who they used to be before they became that. So it's like, oh, I went to, you know, Leith and drank from the river in the underworld and then became immortal, but I lost all my memories.
1: Yes, so they are, uh, they're all amnesiacs, but they are all also very tough, cool fighter dudes. Uh, The artist for them is the one who draws only very 2D flat plane anime looking things where the belts are, sorry, the gloves and the boots are comically too large. Yeah, and you see that 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 style a lot. They all uh, big, thick outer lines around everything. Thick, thick. Uh, They're they're competently done, but they look like you would be doing like art for a promo for Maple Story and not not uh. for, not this. It's it's just weird. Yeah. Uh, beyond that, now you pick your your you pick one of those. That's your breed. Then you're going to pick your guild, which is kind of what you do. Uh, Guilds constantly are springing into and fading out of existence as aspects of exploring the underworld become more popular. But right now, there's a core set of guilds that are dominant. Yeah, and this isn't like
0: you pick your guild like, oh, you pick your class. These are literal guilds with guild halls. Mm -hmm. And if you want to do certain things, including fight, Fight. (laughs) that's a guild. The Bravos are a guild... And they are the only people who are legally allowed to do violence. And because of that, it makes an interesting thing where it's like, yeah, if I start a fight and I'm a Bravo, then like, oh, no, the city guard come, uh, comes up. The city guard are also Bravos. And they're like, cool, dude.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's this whole thing where because they're union, they're they're uh, unlikely to get on each other's case. Which means if you're a Bravo, you can pretty much murder people in daylight, broad daylight. And then a bunch of town guards are going to run in and they'll be like... Oh, you killed him, huh? Well, you probably should get out of here, because...
0: Yeah, if you're a Bravo, you could murder someone in broad daylight. (laughs) Or, you know, if, if, say, there was some sort of problem, and you should be using your license for violence to do something, you could just not, but there's no reason you have to.
1: Yeah, like, the book pays lip service to this, where it's like, hey... You know, what happens in the deep tunnels when there's no witnesses, obviously that's okay. if monsters attack you down there, obviously you can commission your own violence act against them because you're not going to get hauled in front of a tribunal who's going to see you and report you, huh? Nobody. But the upshot of this is that all the dis- all the uh, stories in this book and there are a lot of them are about bravos because they're all about fighting. Yeah. And they don't they don't want to write stories about someone else cuz <laughs> so every one of them is either about or heavily features a bravo just coming in. Yeah, and I mean there's a bit
0: of the, like, sort of Terry Pratchett-esque amusing thing of, like, oh, man, you're going to get in trouble if you assassinate someone with a non-guild assassin. Yeah. And, like, there's a very Discworld guild idea behind the things here that's, like, all right, that's fun and playful, but in an RPG, if you're like, yeah, I'm the one dude that can actually fight, you're like, cool! Cool! I guess I don't do anything then (laughs) when it comes to fight times. Yeah, it
1: kind of makes sense from like a LARP perspective.
0: Yes, and that's a lot of the guilds in here. Once you get past Bravos, you're like, oh, this is very clearly shit for LARPs because you have things like librarian where it's What are you? I sit in a place with a library and I know things and I trade out secrets for other secrets. And I'm like, yeah, that's the perfect thing to be if you're all playing in like one little fucking, like, wreck room somewhere, and mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, I sit in one corner, and I put, like, a book of notes in front of me, and people can come walk up to me, and it's fine. Yeah. And I'm playing that role. That's fine in a LARP, but in a standard tabletop RPG, if you're like, I have a library. All right, well, we're gonna go do an adventure. All right, well, have fun with that, I guess. That, or I leave my incredibly worthwhile tomes and room full of information
1: alone while i go gallivant about Mm -hmm. so you may be wondering what guilds uh guilds get when you pick one for yourself uh first they get a few more defining traits that again you get to choose some of uh you also get a list of skills uh if they are skills from from your guild when you were choosing your guild you get them at two coins like basically rank two if you have skills that are not from your guild they're at one coin uh you also get a list of magic you get to start with in this game there are some of them start with nothing But uh, if you start with magic at all, uh, there are two or three
0: kinds of magic. There are charms and rites. uh, Charms are just like little magic things you can do. Mm -hmm. Rites are big magic things you can do, which no one starts with, because those are like actual plot MacGuffins. Yes. And then there are relics which are warehouse 13 items.
1: Yeah. They're the big ne- they're they're the huge important things. Like the the slice of pizza that Pizza Rat was dragging is probably a relic. Probably. Now. Yeah, that's the kind of that that's what relics are. They're they're singular where uh charms are more like uh they're jokes. Most of them are jokes. Most of them are jokes, but they're all just like you know, the
0: classic thing of like, I have a soup stone, I can put this stone in a pot and it makes soup. Yeah, right.
1: I have beer goggles, but they don't do what you think they do.
0: No, beer goggles they let you instead let stuff. me see in the dark, and then if I get a good enough success, I can see invisible.
1: Right. Um, so that's what, you get, that's what you get when you pick one of these uh, guilds. Uh, the first one we didn't mention yet is Artificers. Yep, they're the ones who can make
0: junk tech.
1: Yeah, they make their own junk tech, which is almost kind of a third type of magic in this game. Is uh is crafting complicated junk items that do bespoke interesting things, but have a super complicated and uh, unfortunately virtually impossible to use. Boy, the, they were, mm. there is <laughs> the you know
0: what we'll get into it when we get into we'll the get systems. There. We'll get anyway, there. artificers they have the ability to make uh magic items that only work underground because they don't actually have anything that makes them work beyond magic. Yeah, it's uh you know it's very you know techno wizard from rifts where it's like oh this isn't an actual like mechanical thing that's me- working it's just someone shoved a crystal inside of a gun and said now it shoots lasers and lo and behold it does
1: yes no i like that kind of thing i like belief powered we- uh, items and yeah so that's on. It's, fine it's neat and and unfortunately though much like how you know the orcs just because they, they're they have like a psychic belief powered 40k that makes it so their trucks work instead of fall apart here uh, artificers are powered by being insane Yep. and uh, the more insane they are, the more built, more cool things they can build.
0: Yeah, you get more coins to flip on your invention rolls. The crazier you are, and you have to start crazy, mm-hmm. and you get to go into the back and the list of different crazies you can be. Great. Pick one. There's three stages. As we all know, there are three stages to every sort of mental problem. Yes,
1: and every mental problem is categorized and written down. And definitely when you have a lot of it, when you're like really unfortunately afflicted with mental problems, that's when you can build the coolest potato cannons. That's right. Mm -hmm. Uh, We already talked about librarians. There's mendicants, which is this game's healer. They have a unique ability to straight up just heal, but it does give them temporary wounds when they do it.
0: Yeah, they they mostly do the empathic healing where they're like, they'll take your wounds on. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. And other than that, they are aggressively boring. They're, well, they're, they're just they're, they're wandering healers. Yeah, uh, navigators, which are this game's riggers. They start with a vehicle. They are the only ones who get to do vehicle stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly, they're really
0: useful for scene changes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're one of the cooler classes. It's I mean, one of the ones besides Bravo that you're like, oh, that's useful. Yeah, like, oh, you're a dude who has a way to get around. So if we want to do dungeon delving. That's cool. We can go dive into the cool deep tunnels and this guy can get us there. And then the Bravo can fight stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, I guess the artificer sits in the back and is like, I have a comic version of obsessive compulsive disorder. <laughs> Tee hee. <laughs> Here's a grenade. I'm going to flip this light switch 12 times and then it turns into a little can of soda that walks.
1: Yeah. Um, One of the major NPCs in the stories in this book is an artificer, a homeless artificer named Lord Steam. And Lord Steam, in almost every story he's in, is doing violence right in front of a bunch of Bravos. Now, you may wonder, well, how's he doing that? Should they be stopping him? Well, no. You see, he's really important and he won an important fight against an important darkness monster once. So he's like a legend now and can do whatever. Yeah. Well, he's, he's, <laughs> he's too cool to arrest. Yeah. Uh, the next one is sappers. Uh, this is, this is the kind of thing where, like, they make sense. Can, conv- like, in the lore in of the lore, world. Yeah. Like, you need someone digging the tunnels because the tunnels need to be dug. Uh, But uh, the act of digging tunnels is boring and slow, and so you don't really want to
0: do that. Well, yeah, it's like, what is this guild? Oh, they can dig tunnels and reinforce tunnels that are already there. So, Because, you know, you're always in need of maintenance on any of these tunnels. Yeah. Oh, okay, is that a thing that I would want to do in a
1: game? No. Yeah, they have a list of special abilities that I would describe as the most useless in the game. And that's, you know, a lot of these things are like, have car. Or is homeless. But even this one's like, uh, what, what are your special abilities? Well, they get to do a three coin head count, and a head count in this game is just a clever name for flipping coins, the number that you're supposed to, and counting the number of times you get heads, which is a success. They can flip three coins, and if they get one success, they can determine the rad count of the area they're in. We already talked about radiance earlier. Rad count is just the amount of radiance. That said, it would be much easier to skip doing that and determine the rad count of an area by trying to use technology. Because if the uh, if the game master or the I believe the conductor in this game mm-hmm. says, "Oh, uh, subtract one die from that," hey, you know it's rad count one here. <laughs> Meta game knowledge. <laughs> uh, with two successes, you can determine the directional heading of a, of a uh, nearest area with a higher rad count. That's actually kind of useful. Yes, that's the the that's, one thing where you're like, "Oh, okay." Yeah.
0: If I'm making a tunnel and I'm trying to get to a better rad count area or uh, a
1: safer one because i don't personally have a high rad count and with three successes you can determine the directional heading of a nearby radiance pool radiance pools are uh the games for pc and (laughs) they were notoriously buggy
0: this pool of radiance was (laughs) absolutely unworkable it might delete your entire hard drive
1: yeah i think the deal with the pool of radiance is if you tried to uninstall it it deleted your hard drive yeah um, But this one, this one's a problem because it has a parenthetical attached to it, like determine the nearest Radiance Pool. Radiance Pool's jokes aside are pools of pure magic that are immensely powerful and incredibly dangerous and used to power the most powerful rites in the underground.
0: Oh yeah, and it's, you know, all of the most important people want it. Uh, it if you manage to find one, selling off the information of where it is to any of the various lords would be super expensive, like... It is the one thing you could do as a sapper that would be like this is my my cool big thing.
1: Now you're thinking three coins all need to be heads for this to happen. That's a one in eight chance of it happening. That's already kind of super common to find something so incredibly important. But it gets better. That three coin head count is your base. If you have a skill in sapping or engineering, you get an extra di- or a coin or two for that. So you can get up to five coins for a single roll. That's the max. So you have a not terrible chance of of, of hitting this. But the parenthetical is like, hey, look, conductors uh nearby is relative, relative. <laughs> make sure make sure it's really far away because radiance pools are super powerful and you don't want to fuck up your game hey if you don't want to fuck up your game you know what you could probably do is not give people a power that immediately fucks up their game and then tell the conductor's not to let them use it
0: yeah that
1: would fuck up your game less
0: <laughs> it is so unfortunate every time we read a book that's like here's an ability hey guy running this don't let them use this ability hey my dude or if they use it backspace, sure it, <laughs> my friend, yeah. it is your it is a go to item that you can use to get rid of a thing that will fuck your game up.
1: Yeah. And and uh, in this case, it does work. Like if you get three successes, like, hey, there is another nearby pool in New Jersey. You it's, know, it's
0: three miles down. Yeah. It's, You're like, all right. Well, all right, never mind.
1: Thanks for that. Sure. I'm glad I hit a really difficult role so I can learn useless info. What a great mouthfeel that gives me. Oh, wonderful. I'm glad I picked sapper uh, after that is tagger. Uh taggers are basically the the even scouts. Though, even though we already had a class called navigators, they're the closest thing to actual navigators.
0: Well, they're the scouts cuz <laughs> yes. they're the ones who go out into tunnels cuz the navigator is more like they have I'm the I'm the taxi man yeah. whereas the tagger is like I go into the deep tunnels that people haven't been in and they have their they have their own little tag language where if they make a tag on a wall, it basically gives you hobo code for like Oh, down this way, dangerous
1: beasts and high rad counts. And yes, this was a this is a problem. You can leave Hoba or Urb not Hoba. you leave tags of your own to, to alert other taggers to things. and you can even instill your tags with magical charms that you have. Like there's an example here for hot rocks. Hot rocks are just two rocks, or if you touch them together, they release the heat of a campfire. Um, so that's just kind of a useful thing to have because it's really cold down in the underground in a lot of places. But you, a tagger can like take those hot rocks and magically shove them into a tag he puts on a wall so it radiates out campfire heat if he wants, you know, and make a, a wall. Yeah, if wall. you get
0: near it, you're like, oh, hey, neat.
1: Yeah, so that's kind of a useful effect, I suppose, especially because there's a lot of trappy effects that happen among the charms. The other one, though, when you're playing as one of these guys, is like, well, you can write tags on walls that other taggers can read. So hopefully there's another tagger around and you need to send them an important code message oh it's
0: almost certainly there for the NPC. oh it's it's a thing that you find yeah. where you're the pc tagger and you find some tag somewhere and you're like guys i have information now because the
1: d- uh, conductor God. threw me a bone it's like playing an old like i know fifth edition diviners are like the best wizard but it's like playing an old diviner we're like i cast augury what do i learn about the future dm uh, Whatever I tell you and nothing else, your entire <laughs> class is powered by my whims.
0: You learned the plot hook that I want you to go follow. Yeah, Please follow
1: if, it. You're playing the plot hook aggregator, and if you, if you weren't playing that, I'd still have to put the plot hooks out. Yeah. I'd just do it a different way. <laughs> uh, after that is the traitor. Uh, again, this is the kind of thing you built for LARPing. Uh, mostly this is homeless and uh, animals, because they're the ones who can go up topside.
0: Yeah, because it's mostly... there's. Not a lot of stuff in the underground. There's not really, like, manufacturing down there. Uh Food is pretty much just what can grow without sunlight, so some mushrooms and algae. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the actual, like, economics of the underground is, like... Traders going up and, you know, those homeless people with shopping carts? Oh no, that's just, they're taking
1: it down to the underground to sell off. That's not their worldly possessions that they constantly have to defend from being stolen by police or other people when they have to leave them for even a moment. That's just their magical trinkets and wares that they go to pedal below. What fun peddlers. Hmm. Don't give them money. They won't know what to do with it because in the underground. They use ducats instead. <laughs> They get to start with a shopping cart. Good for them. Hooray! This is garbage. (laughs) Yes, in a shopping cart. Mm. But you sell it. Yeah, and then the last thing is, there's a couple more that are just like, don't play this.
0: Yeah, it's the well, outcasts.
1: Which is when you've been kicked out of your guild.
0: Yeah, you did something fucked up and they kicked you out.
1: Uh-huh, you uh, still have your guild powers, but like, now the guild hates you and you can't get support from them. Oh, yeah. Um, And then the guildless, which are like people who are in the underground. Just regular sh- folk. Just regular folk. Don't play as that unless you literally want to be Richard from, the, from Neverwhere for some reason. Yeah, they're reason. like, yeah. They're,
0: guildless is here as an option in case you're like, uh, I just want to be... The random upworlder who found his way down here. Great. Now I'm guildless and a regular dude.
1: Yep. So, uh, now when you're making
0: your character, mm-hmm. uh, after you pick your breed and your guild, you pick one trait from breed mm-hmm. uh, out of the list of different traits they have there, one trait from your guild out of the list of those, and then you can pick any one you want as sort of a wild card trait. Yep. Uh, and like we said, that just gives you. One more coin in whatever circumstance that that trait can show up in.
1: Absolutely. And also, you uh, you can get one for one if you take the negative versions of of uh, traits. Up then to you, two more. Up to two more. You can take a couple of extra positive traits if you want to.
0: Uh, and then you get all the skills from your guild. Uh, and then anyone's from your breed. Not all breeds come with them. Some will give you like, oh, you can get scrounging... Uh, but you're getting it from your breed, and then you get a list of skills from your guild. Mm -hmm. And then finally
1: you pick three more skills. Yeah, you
0: get some secondary skills that are just one coin added instead of two. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, your guild guild will also provide you with a list of charms that you can select if your particular guild starts with some charms. Yeah, usually it'll be like, you can pick one or two from a list, Mm -hmm.
0: and most of the charms in here range from... (laughs) god uh mildly useful like the whole hot rocks you can make a campfire with some rocks great to like oh i i have freeze tag as a charm i can cast a charm on the tag pulled from a mattress (laughs) and if i touch someone with it then i make a three coin flip and depending on how many heads i get i get like two or three i freeze them in place yeah freeze
1: tag colors is another one because it was like the, the, gang, oh, the gang colors
0: the problem i have with some of these getting into the charms is sure. some of them are actual like magical effects that you'll do in the moment like freeze tag you roll uh or flip when mm-hmm. you actually touch someone with the tag yeah great things like colors though are like oh this you do a three coin flip Mm -hmm. and it gives you extra coins to resist damage based on how many heads you get in the flip. Yes. There is no way to, like, it doesn't have a you can't cast this as many times as you want. Yeah. So you can just go, all right, I I get a shirt. I cast colors. All right, you got... Two heads. Cool. I throw it away. I get another shirt. I cast colors. <laughs> until you get three, and then you go, great, I use that one.
1: I guess I, I, I had not thought that that was the way that charms work. Maybe there's a maybe a passage I missed or something. I thought they were one-use items. No. Charms are... No, they're just spells you know, basically? Spells you okay, know. Okay, that's, that's, that changes things. I thought... I mean, I know that they're all... They, they list the magic item, or the uh, num- mundane items you need to get to make them. But I guess that means that what your charm really is, is like, well, what is a color... Uh, it says here it's it, it It doesn't even say what it is. I assume it's just it's close. It's, it's close it's, it's and close you cast a yeah.
0: spell on it. And if it however many heads you get, you get that much resistance. But
1: like, for example, if you want to cast free ride, which is your ability to just ride any subway anywhere you want with skip the metro lines and all that. That requires a metro card. You have to get a metro card and it gets used up when you use it. And if you want to do it again, you have to get another metro card.
0: No metro card. The free ride is just you have a card that lets you ride for free. Any Every time you just go, dink, this is my little item that I can use.
1: Yeah. Some of them are, though, protective incense is another great example. Like, eventually that incense is going to burn out, and that means you have to cast that spell on another set of incenses, I assume? Yes. Yeah. So, so they are, s- yeah.
0: Some are, like I said, some are like, oh, yeah, this has a scaling how useful it is. Mm-hmm uh in the moment and some are when you get it
1: yes and like so the colors ones, is a
0: problem yeah the ones that are like colors and there are a few more in there that are like oh this gets you uh a certain number of damage based on what your role is you're like i keep doing it until i get the best one then yeah fuck you <laughs> like i don't understand if i can just do this all the time i'll just do that
1: i mean it barely matters because i mean what Colors does is, it, for each success you get, it adds you one resistance level to the resistance we- uh, of the armor you're getting. And resistance levels in this game are coin flips you can make to... But
0: it's one to three. The heaviest armor is three. Yeah. Which means Colors can give you the heaviest armor by wearing a shirt. And normally... No, I know. It's great. You have to have a defining trait of, like, being strong in order to wear the three armor.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, ultimately, you could get the two armor and throw Colors on it for one more resistance... And then you don't care if you got the high level of colors or not, because all you needed was that extra one level of resistance. Well. Uh, anyway, um, let's talk about the resolution mechanics at, in combat and so on, as, as that all works. Oh, you didn't want to talk about the other magic shit? Do you want to talk about more magic shit? Sure, we can. I mean, we're already in it. Sure, let's keep going then. Here, enjoy the book, my friend. <laughs> huh? So outside of the...
0: Uh... The little goofy things where you're like, I have a pack of smokes, and if I hit it on my hand three times and then finish a cigarette, someone will show up to take me somewhere. Yeah,
1: there's a couple different vehicles. Because there's also the, the subway rails. I forget what they're specifically called. They're like uh, the, there's, magic coins. There's tech that is the subway skates. No, that's not what I'm talking about. There is another charm item. Uh, it's usually oh, yeah. one of the stories where you flick coins at the third rail and it summons a subway car.
0: Yeah, there is the... Uh, whatever it is there's some coin that you throw onto the
1: third rail yeah the third rail in this game is very important yeah it really right. is It for shows some up in a lot of the junk tech it's in a lot of the magic items a lot of stuff's just powered by the electricity off that third rail hmm. Hmm. but yeah there's a whole bunch of these charms and a lot of them are just gags it's fine um they don't go into rights because ultimately every right is going to be seeing a single bespoke thing that is going to be the kind of the the thrust of the story you're trying to tell more than anything else and
0: even in the charms where they're like, Oh, these are just one-off minor little things you can do. There's Daedalus twine, which is, Oh, this'll show you the way through a labyrinth. And then there's another one, which is just a light that shows you a way to where (laughs) you want to go. And I'm like, Oh, just, Get the fucking glow stick, then. Definitely get
1: the glow stick, because the Daedalus twine has, it just says it it lays out string.
0: Well, it lays out string in front of you to show you through a labyrinth, Mm -hmm. whereas the glow stick is, it glows and shines a light toward where you want to go. So I'm like, oh, it works in labyrinths and literally anywhere else? Mm -hmm. Great. It's Daedalus twine, but not as useless. Plus,
1: Daedalus twine always has that same problem it has in the actual story, which is that someone can come along behind you and just pick it up. Or in this case, I guess it's someone sees it out in front of you and just picks it up.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you're just walking behind the twine, yeah. rolling it back up. Yeah. Uh, the rights we mentioned are like, you know, uh, you can do the whole Sleeping Beauty. I put thorns around a kingdom or, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you like, know.
1: Yeah, a lot of thorns show up in that description.
0: A- well, a lot of... Fairy tale shit. Yeah. It's like you can put someone to a magic sleep that
1: can only be awakened by True Love's kiss. Yeah, you can harden the surface of a lake so that it can magically trap someone to the surface below. Yeah. It's all like magic stuff. And then the relics are <laughs> various magic items.
0: Like we said, uh,. That are imbued with ideas of things. These ah, are the big magic items.
1: I just remembered why you're doing this now. Yes. I'm remembering. So, so, your tone just made sense to me all of a sudden.
0: So you're, some of them are like, oh, it's the key to the city. You have a big novelty key. It can open any door. It can, like, make it so that traffic flows the way you want it to. It's literally like. I can control New York, which is weird because it's all I can control Upworld, New York. Yes. And they're like, this is the most sought after item. I'm like, why it does nothing down here.
1: <laughs> There's one that's based on romper room. Like the yeah. show romper room. There's
0: the romper mirror. And yeah. you can, if you say romper, romp, stomper, Bomper boo, you can look and find anyone you want to. But some people are now calling it beauty's mirror. Cause this, <laughs> this dude was obsessed with the fact that, the Disney Beauty and the Beast didn't have the ring that let you teleport home and instead had a mirror that let you see things. Because mm, right. it has Beauty's ring, and he's like, but this is fading because people keep forgetting the real one.
1: <laughs> also, Philoctetes is a satyr now and not a, uh, basically Hercules' shitty little friend who, who eventually murders him on accident. Uh, also, there's a gun, and it's the gun that uh, <laughs> from Berkowitz. It's the son of Sam gun. And it's not the actual gun. None of these are the actual thing. That's that's part of the story. They are created by the dreams of the millions of the world above. Yes. So this one's created in 1977 during the Son of Sam events of, of New York. And it's the gun that, da- that it's a, 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 the personification of the gun that David Berkowitz used to kill all those like college girls. And uh, it, when you use it, it's it has superpowers. But notably, it makes a dog bark noise because of the dog that told him to kill people. Yeah, I mean, it does basically
0: twice as many coins of damage as anything else would. Yeah. Because, like, oh, a gun normally, you know, a high-end gun does, like, three coins worth of damage. It does six, but also when you pull the trigger, a dog barks. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) But don't worry if you think that this one might be unbalancing your game or in poor taste, because the only reason it's in this list is because it's in one of the short stories in the book where it gets eaten and ripped apart by a subway monster. So don't worry, it's not. you're not players are supposed to have it. A cool bravo from one of the stories is supposed to have it.
0: Yes, and one of the relics, the one you were thinking of, is a summoning token, which summons a train.
1: That's the one. It summons the last train, which is the train in question. Uh, I think it can summon any train. No, it can summon any train,
0: but it can also summon... The last train, which is actually a monster.
1: (laughs) The last train is a monster. It's part of the old story about when uh, the MTA there tried to do a... uh, Late train. A a late train. And the late train now is like this horrible monster that if you go inside, it will eat you.
0: Yeah, well, it was like, oh, the magic of the New York subway system was such that the way that it ran Mm -hmm. was creating a magical pattern. However, adding a weird train that didn't run on the schedule... Made it so that the magic kept getting fucked up and weird, and it made the train come alive and turn into a monster.
1: Yes. So after magic items, we get into salvage tech, which is stuff that you can build if you're an artificer. Yep. Um, Notably, someone really liked drawing little robots made of soda cans because that's almost all of this in terms of art. But the actual stuff you can make is all kinds of neat things.
0: Yeah, and they're, you know, they're put into different categories, which Mm -hmm. gives different levels of complexity for how many successes you need so Mm. you know it could be i'm making a transportation thing or you know a gun or something that makes an item whatever it happens to be there are a bunch of different things but they have lists for like oh if you want this uh gun to be ranged that's two complexity all right uh for every coin of damage it can do that's one complexity
1: so let's say two damage two coin, uh, and range two
0: Okay, so if you do it at a distance, that's two. Mm-hmm. It does two damage, that's two. You need four.
1: Yeah. And that's split. Um, it's because you have to focus it on, into the materials, uh, the time it takes, and I forget the last one.
0: And actually, like making it. Because oh, okay. there's planning, making, or like planning materials and building.
1: Yeah, so you take your final complexity number, divide it by three, and then need to hit each one of those three rolls. Uh, and, and it still has like an amount of time it's going to take. It's a surprisingly complicated system, considering it's basically for LARPing. But I get it, because to stop the artificer characters from just spooling out stuff constantly. Um, It does include one of my all-time favorite things to come across in role-playing games, which is someone hitting an incongruous, uh, impossible set of coin flips, and the book just breezing right past it like it's no big deal. There's a guy who invents a gun that when it shoots people, it turns them into ducks. Yes. Um, And it has a complexity to build of 12, which means that... He needs to do three, four success coin flips and he gets five dice or five dice per flip, Uh, five coins per per, uh, head count, rather. Yes. Which means that he has like a, what is it, like an eight maybe percent, less than eight percent chance. I mean, getting four out of five is not great. (laughs) There's a chart in here to tell you how not great it is. But yeah, he needs to do that three times in a row. He needs to hit four out of five coin flips three times in a row. First one, hits it. No problem. Great. Good for him. He hits, he hits a four. Yeah, second four out one,
0: of five is 18%.
1: Yeah. Fails it. Second, fails that 18% chance the second time. What does failing a roll do? That's why I'm telling you the story, by the way. Uh, if you fail a roll, it just takes longer, and you need it to try again. It increases the difficulty. And it increases the difficulty to five. The maximum difficulty, and the maximum number... Oh, of, it's not
0: the maximum I'm difficulty. Sorry, it's not the
1: maximum difficulty, but it is the maximum number of coins you can roll. No, it roll. isn't. I thought... I, for sure that coin flips count are capped at five at every nope. single thing in this
0: five is usually as high ah, as you can okay, get that's
1: fine there's like ex- there's, ex- there's extenuating circumstances in any event he has to hit a five die coin flip or five the five coin flip on all heads on five coins and he just does yes he just anyway after he clears that says the book he has to do one more four four coins uh, success no problem there his duck gun is built quack and i'm like no that is a problem
0: no you see you gave me like an 18% chance, and then an 18% chance that then got lowered to like a 10% chance, and then another 18% chance. Yeah,
1: and then you just nonchalantly described it as happening, despite the incredibly unlikely event of that being the case.
0: Yeah, the the reason the artificers generally can go above that is because your level of insanity adds ah. extra coins. Okay, that's So fair. you can that's get fair. up to like 8 if you're super crazy. Yeah. But the thing is... If you want to make anything that is better than just having a regular, like, yeah, the range, the distance to to damage thing is like, great, you made a shitty pistol. uh, Awesome. It's exactly like any other pistol, but you made it out of junk and it doesn't work above ground. Yeah. Awesome. Then, sure, that's sort of easy to do. The second you want to get into something that's like the duck gun, where you obviously will never make that roll, mm-hmm. or the junk men are... That species, that breed, mm-hmm. that are made by artificers, and they are difficulty 20.
1: Yeah, so you divide it by three, you need to hit like seven, seven, and six.
0: Yeah, it's uh, just like,
1: <laughs> no, you don't do that. Notably, uh, Lord Steam has a weapon he calls the Jacob's Hammer, because it's based on a Jacob's Ladder. Yeah, he it, shoots electricity. Shoots electricity. Uh, they mentioned as having a, an incredibly high complexity, and then just don't bother to tell us how he did that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can go backtrace it to be like... Alright, well it's at a distance, so that's two. It does uh five dice or five uh the coins, coins of, damage, of damage, so that's up to seven. Mm-hmm. Uh it never needs to be reloaded, so mm-hmm. that's another couple complexity. Yeah. And I think it also does like stun or something. Yeah,
1: it has stun effects. I think it has an accuracy bonus. It's just it's just an incredible gun. But they just breeze past how we built it. That that don't worry about it, that's not important.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, there's a bunch of list of things that you could make, and...
1: Then we get to the setting.
0: Yeah, but let's get into, now I will no longer talk about the magic shit, we can get into the actual rules of shit. Yeah,
1: and we're only at one hour.
0: Yeah, that's fine. I mean, (laughs) the rules are, you flip a coin, how many heads did you get? Great.
1: Yeah, exactly. Initiative is determined by coin flip, and then fighting is determined by coin flips. The neat thing about combat in this, I will grant them, is that it's got a... A advanced mode and a. It's got tabletop and LARP mode. Well, mostly, I, I, I feel like both of them are useful as LARP mode. That's the thing. What it has is a, a, uh, a like a narrative combat mode and then like a, a high, a detailed close in combat mode where you're actually rolling attack and defense against each other over and over again until someone wins. But you can also roll this like narrative mode where you just roll or everybody just flips a bunch of coins at once and then they calculate the result and you'd be like, great. Now I'll tell you the story of what happened during that combat and we don't actually have to do it piecemeal.
0: Yeah. You. Essentially go, how many advantages do I have Mm -hmm. uh, versus how many advantages they have. We flip our coins and then we just go back and forth using advantages to either increase our flip up to a heads or their flip from heads down to a tails. And you need to get three successes in order to win. Yeah. So you just kind of go, all right, what's the math on this? And what did we flip? All right. Well. We can go ahead and determine neither of us won. Moving on.
1: Yes, Let's exactly. do this again. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I think they're both useful in LARP terms, because if you're dealing with like a, a, fi- a group that's not that interested in fighting, you can use that second one, just tell the story real quick and move on. But if you've got, like, two Bravos in your LARP who are just like, I would like to describe every single flourish and coruscating si- uh, spiral action I perform with my mighty Dao swords... Uh, and you know, then then yeah, you've got this this piecemeal version so that you can you know let them fuck off in the corner and do this for twenty minutes.
0: <laughs> See, but that it won't happen that way because it's LARP, which means it'll just be like, my dude, I want to hit a guy. Do I hit this guy? No one, no one is here to f- fucking flip coins for a half an hour at the LARP.
1: You don't know. I know. Maybe it's a someone's there to flip coins for half an hour at that LARP.
0: Look, we're not here to fuck spiders or flip coins, okay? <laughs>
1: And then there's a wound track system. Uh, Everybody e- has four wounds, mm-hmm. and each wound is divided into uh, like some sub wound levels.
0: Well, you have, I have no wounds. I have one wound. Ow! I have two wounds.
1: No, no. Like you can take damage. Uh, you can take light wounds, you, and three light wounds will move you to medium. And then when you when you uh, if you take another light wound while you're at medium, it you have to take like nine of them because each three of them will turn into a light wound, and then three light wounds will turn into a medium wound. Is that yes? Yeah, that's how this is. Because when
0: I read the wounds thing, it was like, dude, if you take four wounds, you die.
1: No, I know. If you get four heads on an attack, you are dead. I don't remember what they're called, but there's like sub wounds inside the wounds system. I mean, they
0: do have, they call them like light wound, heavy wound. Yeah,
1: but I think a base character has three levels in each wound. And if you have things like tough effects and so on, then you can have extra levels inside of your wounds. Huh. Yeah, so that's how that part works.
0: All right, uh, I apparently but, did not read wounds closely enough, mm-hmm. or I'm just completely making or all this up. because ju- ju- that is definitely <laughs> how it works in other games that have wound systems.
1: It's how it works here too, but but yeah, that's it. It uh, there are ways to jack up the number of Ooh, sub jack wounds. It up. Yeah, I want you to, I want you to jack it up. Okay, let's jack it up a little. Uh, now should we talk a little bit about the setting? I mean, we've already kind of gone into it. Sure. All right. It's
0: it's underground New York all of the places in New York have their underground version. Mm-hmm. So you're like, all oh, right, under Brooklyn is Crooklyn. Underneath the Alice in Wonderland thing is Wonderland where the fucking redcoats are.
1: Yeah, that's a weird one. <laughs> and
0: there's a bunch of various little things and they all
1: have a lord. Yeah, they all have a, a lord that's in charge of them. Like, for example, Philippe the Dog-Faced Boy from like the, the like, carnival PT like, Barnum fame. Yeah. yeah.
0: And all of them have a lord that gets sort of statted out, and also you know where the various, like, guild halls are. So it's like, oh, okay, this is where the Artificer Guild Hall mm-hmm. or, hall is, this is where the
1: Tiger one is. Yeah, the Artificer Guild Hall in particular is in the Manhattan Projects, where, like, the nuclear bomb test developments were done, and the idea behind that is that uh, artificers can't be trusted. because They're like, oh, you might blow yourself up, so be out in the boonies. Just go way the fuck out there where you're nowhere near anyone else. And they should have just whatever. put them under Staten Island. Yeah, or the statue. What did, what, did did they even mention what's going on under the statue? Just, Not that I saw. I, I, I'm guessing probably because there's no like underground landworks that go under the Statue of Liberty. Exactly. But still, there should be natural ones that do. That'd be really neat. Sea caves and stuff. Oh, yeah. I was like,
0: oh, you should definitely have like a, oh, there's a deep tunnel that goes under the water underneath these areas. Yeah. And like, you know, if you go under Ellis Island in the deep caves with high radiance, like you come out not knowing what your name is or
1: some shit. That is part. There is a thing where there's a uh, there's a a huge lake or underground bay down there uh, that the only navigator that shows up in the stories will operate. Uh, he he sails it all the time and his boat that is also a car that is also climbing capable. Yes. Um. All the vehicles work. The, the, you they're also built via complexity and salvage tech. Oh my roles. god!
0: The complexity for making a vehicle that works in land, air, and the sea is. More than making a junkman. It's like twenty-three.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's incredibly high. Uh but there's a dude but there's this cool bay down there that has this thing where the reverberations of the water against the walls that it goes against will drive people insane, so most people who have to sail in the bay put wax in their ears. But the navigators there have gotten used to it, so they just seem crazy to everyone else. Uh, so that's kind of fun. The <laughs> I mean most of the problems
0: I have are I mean we brought up the whole homeless thing. When we brought up the, the fucking like uh, shirtwaist fire thing, mm-hmm. like there's a lot of things in here that I'm like, man, all right, great. You wanted to embrace all of the parts of this. And as I said at the beginning, oh my God, I'm so glad this was in, in 2000, 2000 and, and not, not later. 2001? Yeah, no. Otherwise, we'd have the legendary personification of terrorist living in the underground and i know it would be
1: in there yeah that would have been especially if it had been written much later like if it had been written in 2003 or something they they would have been like ah no it's too soon we can't do that but if it was written like last year then yeah it would have a ground zero spirit Ugh. so we can be thankful it does not have that that's nice it does have a big recommended reading list obviously neverwhere that seems very obvious but also, of course, because of his constantly writing about magical cities that have more magical cities mer- merged into them. Uh, China Miavel shows up a lot here. Yeah. Uh, he's get, he gets a ton of recommendations. I know he has fallen out of favor quite a bit. Uh, but you know, it's 2000, so. You know, I it's think, 2000. Yeah, I don't think he had, he had fully shit the bed yet. Um, so that's, it's, it's a, not a terrible recommended reading list. I thought that was kind of neat to see. Uh, but yeah, the, a lot of it's just sort of not tasteful. <laughs> There, I mean, like I said, there's
0: a weird line to walk with this in having something be tied to a real world area, and when you're like, yeah, we're gonna do like make magic items off of fucking Berkowitz, and we're gonna have mm-hmm. homeless people as fun magical friendly guys who well, trade bits in the underworld. Let's like, not, uh.
1: let's not forget the Puerto Rican street fair.
0: <sighs> God, the. Oh. The point where it talks about legendaries Mm -hmm. and the whole idea that they can't go above ground because they're just made out of radiance. So if you go where there is zero, you'll just dissipate. Yes. Now, it's not enough for them to just die and dissipate. Goodness, no. Instead, they like blow up into a brief area of whatever they are.
1: Yes. So there's a legendary monster. Um, of violence and carnality being chased around by some Bravos. It was basically
0: uh, rape the personification.
1: Yeah, it was like a big snake or something and they were chasing this big monster but the Bravos who were chasing it stopped when it went up to the overground because it was going to burst anyway and when it burst it infected a Puerto Rican street fair which devolved into a mass gang rape. Yep. Yep.
0: (laughs) That's a thing in the Description of the legendaries where they're like, oh yeah, and one time the personification of, you know, rape went up and then exploded and made a bunch of Puerto Rican guys, you know, have a rape festival. And everyone was like, oh, they wilding.
1: Yeah, they were like, they're wilding more than usual. And it was like, oh, that's... This is... I don't like that at all. Oh,
0: it's okay. You see, it's not that all Puerto Ricans are rapists. Sometimes they're possessed by a weird spirit. (laughs) Oh, ho, ho! What fun and joy in ribaldry!
1: Yeah, I get where you're trying to write like dark fan dark twisted fantasy or whatever, but maybe maybe not rape. Maybe, maybe don't. Maybe don't. Maybe don't do that. Just don't do that because it's distasteful and I don't want to see it. Yep. Um so anyway, you want to get into favorites and least favorites? Let's go ahead and do that. Let's do that. What do you what would you say is your favorite thing about uh Underworld?
0: It is a game that I think has a simplicity for a lot of the aspects Mm -hmm. that while they are very much for LARP, I'm like, this is fine for a tabletop if you wanted to do this. Like, the simplicity of just, like, man just count heads i don't care yeah Let's see how many you get and you'll do that yeah
1: or the narrative the uh the combat version where you just flip heads and tails back and forth i hate
0: that actually i like fucking that? hate the narrative version because it's literally just we look down we won
1: yeah it is true once you look at give two things you have two inputs to consider what's your starting base coin flip list and do you have more flips than the other guy it's just to your name. how
0: many advantages did we get yes how many what did we flip what did they flip and how many do they have all right we know if we won or not
1: yeah that's fair that's very fair I do, I'm not as into it. That's fine. that's okay. Uh, but but uh, you are into some of the more uh, the other abstract or quick play variations on this game. Yes all right
0: i I like game, the right? idea of the charms like that's that's the kind of fun little magic thing that I like mm-hmm. where even the ones that I was like, this is super abusable because you could just you know do it until you get Max, mm-hmm. even then you're like, okay, but you get Max and then you just have that item and it's not game breaking. yeah, it's just very useful. Yeah. Uh, so that kind of like, ooh, fun folk magic thing. That's great. I'll go ahead and say the folk magic charms. Mm-hmm. Sure. What about you?
1: Uh, I kind of like that the list of guilds is very conducive to LARP play.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, not not so much tabletop, but it's great for LARPing.
1: Yeah. Uh, as a LARP play listing, the fact that a lot of people go to LARPs and don't really want to participate in a combat class, you know, they don't...
0: No, the whole point for a lot of people is I just want to interact with other folks.
1: Yeah, I just want to stand in a room and talk to a bunch of people and be important while I'm doing it. And a lot of the uh, the guilds in this game lend themselves well to that. So I think that's smart. Uh, you know, a lot of the time when we come across LARPs, they clearly are just tabletop where they've made the rules simpler. But here we see a, a LARP that seems to have been built for LARPing. So that's, yeah. A, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, what would you say is your least favorite thing in this?
0: Oh, I mean, it's gotta be the tone-deaf parts of it. Yeah, yeah, you can just take all
1: that, and that's fine. I've got other stuff.
0: That's fine, okay. Yeah. yeah, I'll just take all the things where it's like, you know, the Berkowitz gun and the fucking uh, the rape festival and all that shit. Just like, you didn't need to. there. And there's not a ton of it, but it keeps showing up enough
1: that yeah. you're like, my dude. It's like a horror movie. You're guaranteed a terrible thing about every five minutes of reading. <laughs> Yeah. Just like when you're watching a horror movie, you every, should be scared every five minutes. Yeah, every section of this
0: book, there's one thing where yeah. you're like, Oh, you fucked up. Because <laughs> if you, you wanted the dark horror thing, instead of having like, oh, this is fucking Berkowitz's gun, they have a knife that's like, yeah, someone got knifed and a ton of people like watched and did nothing, and this is the that knife personified of like you can stab someone and no one will stop you it's the shame of New York I think
1: that's also a real story it is yeah
0: but it's the kind of thing where they're like oh this is an urban legend yeah (laughs) and if you want to do that as a kind of thing then that's the type of dark fantasy thing where it's like yeah it's dark but it's not like and here's the name of the person and they're in jail now and they killed a real person named this yeah like still alive. Yeah, or, uh, that's it, not a good thing.
1: Yeah, you don't maybe
0: wanna... don't do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there you go.
1: It's kind of like uh, that vampire book that like blamed a bunch of stuff on on. Yeah, uh, it
0: was like, oh yeah, <laughs> fucking the gay people are getting uh, murdered murdered in some by country. vampires. And you're like, nope,
1: <laughs> don't do don't, that. That's not stop what's that. happening. <laughs> Stop. They did not set up a gay people eating farm there. That is real people doing a real hate crime. That is actual atrocity that you are putting in your book, my, movie, don't, my dude. There's, a, there's an easily drawn line. Is the, is the, uh, the asshole from the story dead?
0: <laughs> is this far enough back that you don't need to worry about it being someone's trauma currently?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I would not um your least favorite thing i think the species are kind of boring and ultimately my least favorite thing is also that i don't want people thinking i'm kind of downplaying the. oh no yeah.
0: i mean i already took it so it's fine
1: yeah um i i think the the species are weirdly samey between them uh the homeless are just kind of in bad taste yeah uh the junk men are kind of neat that because they're unique and so are the legendaries those are kind of fun the
0: ones that are like oh you can't go above ground yeah are interesting but the ones that are just like you're a homeless guy but magic i'm
1: like but eh. also you can play as animals Animal people and one specific kind of animal people. <laughs> Those are three of the breeds in this. You could play as a mole,
0: a mole person, or a mole person.
1: Yeah, or you can play as someone who was lost in time, or someone who was lost in time. <laughs> uh, so I feel like that probably could have used a little extra development. A little, zhuzh. I get, I get. Uh, you know, you can kind of see the seeds of what they're coming uh, uh, coming from there. Uh, if you look at the cast of Neverwhere, and you're like, the Marquis is, is legendary, Richard is an above grounder. Doors is probably a freak or also a legendary and so on. Um, But but yeah, uh, I just kind of found them a little on the boring side. The mole people in particular felt like they were like a Kickstarter backer reward (laughs) to include a species. (laughs) No,
0: reading it, I was 100% like, oh, this is just the artist wanted his thing in there.
1: Yeah, that, that might also be it. I don't know, but... Because uh, it's from 2000, it's like too early for Kickstarter back rewards, but when I was reading I was like, man, this feels like a fan submission.
0: Well, I mean, they say in the book, like, oh, several of the charms and things in this came from when we were playtesting the thing, and I'm yeah. like, 100%, I guarantee you, mole People, was this dude's...
1: Yeah, like a freak. And br- they were like, ...breed, and they yeah. were like,
0: I want my own breed.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Would you play this game? Uh,
0: I... Okay, so... The idea of it is interesting. The idea of Magical New York, I, you know, I'm fine with. I mean, uh, there's a Dimension 20 uh, season, which is Unsleeping City, which is basically this. Mm -hmm. And I like the idea. I like the idea from Neverwhere and all that other shit. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I would get enough out of playing in this that I would want to play it. Because this isn't a hard no, fuck this. Yeah, It's just one of those I I don't think I would enjoy myself enough mm-hmm. to want to do it.
1: Yeah, I I, I noted that uh, there is already a uh, Neverwhere RPG. Uh, it's in its third edition right now. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So so you don't really need this if you're desperate to play Neverwhere. There's an I, I've never read it, so you know take that with a grain of salt. It might suck. I don't know. Uh, but there is an Everywhere RPG, and I believe it is currently free or pay what you want on, on uh, uh, it, or uh, RPG, no less. So huh. go check it out. Pay a lot of money for it and use our affiliate link to get yeah. it. Go to SystemMasteryPodcast.com, yeah. click on the link, mm-hmm. then buy it for an exorbitant sum. And we'll get know a tiny free. amount of that. I know it's free, but pay an exorbitant, a King's Ransom, if you please. Yes,
0: and instead of going to SystemMasteryPodcast.com and just clicking on the give us some money mm-hmm. and giving us money, instead give us a tiny amount of store credit after you pay too much for yeah. something.
1: I want I want 5% in store credit of what? the King's Ransom. Yeah, no, <laughs> but I, I also don't think I would necessarily, I mean, like you were saying, it's not really a hard no. Like, the stuff in here that's in poor taste is mostly like oh other, that's
0: easily able to be removed. Yes.
1: Other than the one rape jo- the the, the, that's not even a joke. It's like a horror story. Yeah. This time where a street fair got infected with rape ghosts. And so everyone raped everyone else. Like if that had come out in an era where people cared, that would have been, remember what happened to exalted third edition when they had that one charm that was kind of a, like a ravishing charm. Oh yeah. Well in the playtest when they're like, Ooh, the,
0: the bad guys can make ghosts basically fuck you and they're like
1: nope do not have rape rape ghosts (laughs) yeah this is if this book had come out a lot more recently of course it's a gareth michael skarka book so instead it would have not come out more recently yes yeah um but anyway uh oh yeah that's right i don't think we even mentioned that well we
0: didn't mention skarka at all
1: yeah i forgot to mention this book's by gareth michael skarka who most people nowadays i mean he's a prolific author but most people nowadays are are mostly known for how not prolific he is when it comes to his game Far West. Yes. Yeah. Uh, or his
0: Past the 10-year anniversary. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> uh, I had to do a lot of research before I made this a book that we could review because I, I've seen his name being cursed and damned by so many people oh, so of often because of Far West. I was like, okay, he's got to be doing something else that's worse. And it turns out now I he- Apparently, a lot of people just kind of think, not me, I've never met him or even read it, this is the first thing I've read by him, but a lot of people just kind of think he's an asshole, and, and that's not enough for me to no. be like, never touch. You, we
0: don't cancel people for being assholes. Yeah. You can be an asshole yeah. and still be around.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's how I managed to have this show. Exactly. Yeah. Folks, I'm an asshole. Are your parents around? I need to tell them I'm a registered <laughs> asshole. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I—I I, I, it's not a hard no, I just don't know that I would necessarily really... Exactly. Yeah, so... So it's a soft no from both of us. A soft, there you go. A rare soft no.
0: The rare soft no.
1: <laughs> Otherwise, hey, would you like to support us? Just head on down to Drive RPG <laughs> and once again, pay a king's ransom for a free game. Or you can just go to Patreon.com slash System Mastery. Support <laughs> us at any of our levels uh, to unlock the content where we make bonus content. Out of this game, we're going to make characters in it. We're going to describe them. We're going to describe their relationship with the world and what they're like and where they came from. We get pretty in depth. Sometimes we even find out more things about the game that we might have missed. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen this time. Not not, this time. There's not a lot. Not
0: much to it. (laughs) Not a lot of meat on the bones here.
1: (laughs) It's not a bad thing. This game's deeply story invested. Yes. But, uh, but ultimately, I don't think we're going to miss much, but that's okay. It's still going to be a fun time. So come on down, patreon.com slash system mastery. Uh, you can start unlocking that as low as the one dollar level. Um, but yeah, but you can go up to the $5 level to unlock way more stuff, like seven podcasts a month levels of stuff. Yep. So why not do that? Or, just you know, buy our books. We have so many books. We have a lot of books. We wrote books. We're authors now books. Mm hmm. Hey. Hey. Buy our books. Books. So thank you so much. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I thought you were going to do something and you weren't. I have no bits left in me. All right. Well, then I'm going to cut this one off. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. I hope you all have a wonderful week. And until we see you again, have a good one.